Hello, everyone. My name is David, and I'll be leading our workshop tonight. This is called Level 5 Tips and Tricks. Feel free to turn on your camera if you'd like. It's always nice to see other teachers. Hello, Anna, Monique, Brenda, and Audrey. Very cool. Thank you, everyone. So our agenda for today, we'll talk about what is a level five student. We'll do an overview of that curriculum as well. We'll talk about different areas of effectiveness, really where you should meet the expectations of those parents. We'll talk about class structure and different types of slides. And we'll do some scenario practice at the end. That means I'll give you some example slides to discuss in a small group and share some ideas. So that'll be a nice little sharing section with you. And Q&A at the very end. If you look at the lower left corner of my PowerPoint, there are those slide numbers. If there is a slide number you want me to go over again at the end of the workshop, just let me know and I'll put that up on the screen for you. So what are my goals? My goals are for everyone here to leave more confident about how to approach level five in terms of preparation and how to adapt your lesson for different types of students that you may have. So let's start with an introduction to level five students. So teachers, can you finish the sentence for me in the chat box? Level five students are? Inquisitive. Two of you got that at the same time. Engaged, very smart, super curious. Yeah, they tend to be a lot more conversational and fun. Yeah, you know, my level five students are very fun. I like them. Old enough to have a good attitude or poor attitude. That's true. They can have some bad days. Can be more fluent in English than expected. Yeah. So keep these in mind, all these adjectives of how you describe a level five student. Now let's go in more detail. A typical level five student is between ages nine and 13. Of course, they can be younger or older than that, but typically I find that most of my students fall in this age range. They can make cross-textual comparisons. That happens a lot in level five. They'll read text one and text two. What are things that are the same? What are things that are different? You know, a Venn diagram that's used sometimes in level five. They are able to discuss more complex topics, global warming, pollution, recycling, things like that. And they are aware of the usage of object pronouns like him, her, and me. I know for younger levels that can be quite difficult, but for level five, they're right on target with using those object pronouns. They can also use multiple complete sentences to answer open-ended questions. And keep this in mind with your expectations of your student. They should be able to answer in a complete sentence and answer those open-ended questions that you may have. So not just yes or no questions, but more about why do they feel this way? Or what would they change in the story? They can speak in simple past, present, future, present, continuous, present, perfect, past, progressive, and passive voice. So these are the grammar concepts that we will be working on for level five. Just keep that in mind. And last, they are able to find supportive arguments in the text. This is something I always ask them to do is, where did you find the proof? or where is the evidence in the text for your answer? So you are more than welcome if you want, take a picture of the slide. This is a good profile for these level five students. 
but they are highly capable. Just keep them motivated. Thank you, everyone. Now let's look at a quick curriculum overview. They are le higher level students. They can read and understand more complex texts and make those comparisons as well. Topics include history, literature, and basic science. VIP Kit describes this as more like a regular class, not just an ESL type of class. So let's look at areas of effectiveness. This means how can we meet the expectations of parents here? And let's go through these different areas. Number one, parents really expect you to have a very active class, but this is different than an active class for level two. Active meaning there's a lot of back and forth happening, a lot of interaction, right? You ask a question, they answer, you have a conversation, you extend on that material. That's a very active type of class. Number two, they're also looking for great background and lighting. Now, use your background that you already have. You don't have to change it. But if you are looking for a background, think of something that's not super visually distracting, and it's really focused on that lesson content and your lesson. Also, as always, you should have great lighting. If your lighting is dim or dark, then they can't really focus on you. So just make sure you have bright, even lighting that's shining on your face or in your classroom. TPR, I'll go over what TPR looks like for a level five class. It's different than a level two or level three. Also 70-30 talk rule. For levels three and below, a 50-50 student-teacher talk ratio is ideal, but for levels four and above, especially in level five, 70-30. You really want your student to talk as much as possible, more than you are and patient. Since these lessons require more thought and they're more complex, you really want to give them ample response time and be patient with your student. That's really key here. And corrections and parent feedback. Offering corrections throughout the class is a really good visual cue for the parents and the students. I tend to do this by writing different sentence patterns, grammar fixes, vocabulary words in the chat box as I teach. That's a good visual reminder of what you covered in that class. After class for parent feedback, talk about what they did well. Room for improvement, you can also put the slide number. Please work on slide number 10 about grammar and contractions. And then also anything else you'd like to leave the class with, like a personal detail for that lesson. And number six is a completed class. A successful VIP Kid teacher for level five, they are able to cover the material within that 25 to 28 minutes of that class. So think about ways you can either compress or extend slide content based on your student's performance. Now let's go over some of these in more detail. First, TPR props and more make reading very interesting. We'll talk about different ways to make reading a lot more interactive and a lot more comprehensive. Also use age appropriate TPR and props. They love to see things that you have like realia. Let's say that you have, I have a plant just next to me. This can be a good example of a prop I can use for level five. You can see this mentor, she's showing water, talking about surface, how that covers the surface of the earth. That can be a really good prop and it's, Realia, it's something that you use every day. They may not participate at first, so respect the cool, 
but have fun. You know, as kids get older, they want to be a cool kid. So just keep that in mind as you go along. So TPR, I really wanted to show you this example from a high school classroom of a teacher. Keep in mind what she's doing here to really engage her students with TPR. All right, we're going to transition. In our class, we use vocabulary with a gesture or a physical response to transition from one piece of the lesson to the next piece of the lesson so that the students have a lot of exposure to a vocabulary word over the course of a day. Remember our transition word this week is suppress. I say it, you say it, we're all going to do the gesture. Part of the transition word is using TPR, which is total physical response. So remember when we're doing this, we're all speaking loud and clear. Ready? I'll say it, you say it. Suppress, suppress, keep them down. So this word is a tier two academic vocabulary word that connects to the bigger theme of the unit. It's also a word that they will see in their reading. Let's practice our word again, suppress. And we'll do that three or four times a lesson as we transition from group work to teacher direction to another phase of the lesson. All right, keep thinking about that word. We're not just doing the gestures and saying it. I want you to keep thinking about what it means and how it's relating to the topic you just learned about. Tips for getting started using a transition word, especially with TPR. You want the gesture and the definition to be short, three or four words. Also have the students help. Ask them, what do you think of when I say this word and you know it means this? What gestures do come to mind for you? Other words we've used were suffrage. So I would say suffrage, they say suffrage, we all say right to vote. Or secede, secede, pull away. Nice job today, guys. Let's use our transition word one more time. So plan in stopping points where you're going to use it. Suppress. We can ask students, you know, even years later when they come back, that's something that they always remember and they always enjoy and have fun with. So I like this example because we don't see a lot of higher level TPR as an example that's used in class. So some things to keep in mind, how is she using TPR here and is it effective for older students? What do you think? Let me know in the chat box. I'll have some coffee. Definitely effective, I agree. Kids are smiling, keeps them very engaged. Excellent, level appropriate. Keep that in mind. We're not talking to like a level one or level two student in our class. They are level five, respect the cool. I learned that from another mentor. So what tips did she share? Two things that she shared here, short definitions, right? So she said, suppress, keep them down. Think about three or four words that you can use for higher level vocabulary if they don't understand what that means. That's a really good skill. Number two, ask students to think of gestures on their own. This is the number one thing that I find is different with older students. I don't always have to show them the TPR first, have them show you and you'll get some very creative answers. So that's a really great way to keep them very involved in the lesson. So for lower level TPR, typically these are younger students. They also may enjoy some silliness in class. You're also showing commands more often, like draw a line, please circle. I don't have to do that for level five. You're showing nouns, verbs, adverbs, adjectives, etc. 
sleep, loudly, angry, things like that. For upper level TPR, think about level five. Typically, they're older students. They may be a more mature learner and less commands. I don't need to tap my chin or my mouth. I don't typically do this a lot either. Maybe if they're a little bit younger, sometimes I just talk to them normally or I just use a microphone. So I ask them a question and they answer. I can go back and forth like this. We're also doing more level related concepts and vocabulary, like using realia and visuals. So for example, if I'm going over the verb recycle, maybe they can show me something with their hands, what recycle means, kind of like that cycle that goes around and around. If they can't come up with that on their own, then I can show them and they can do it with me. But typically they can think of TPR on their own. Right? I don't say do TPR for me, I could just say act it out, right? And they can act out that word. Now let's look at error correction. If a student is reading, I don't want to interrupt their flow. That's a big key right here. So you want them to read, you want to improve their comprehension and their fluency. But I don't say, no, that was wrong, please stop, repeat after me. Let them read, make a mental note, keep in mind what words they're having trouble with. Listen carefully and break it down if they are having trouble and slow them down if they are un unintelligible. Like I have a fidget spinner, you're talking too quickly, slow down. And that could be a good visual cue for them to not read so quickly. So what I'll do is if they're reading this slide about it's getting hot, let's say they're having trouble with the word electricity on how to say that. So I'll circle that or keep a mental note. And then I'll go over how to say that word after. Right? I had a student that every second word was wrong. Do you stop them? You know, typically they should be placed correctly in this level. They shouldn't have that much difficulty with reading. If you find that the student is really below level and every second word is wrong or they're having trouble, please send a ticket uh, with the student's information and that class and also make a note to the LP. When you're writing the parent feedback at the very bottom before you press submit, it will say note to the LP or the learning partner. Let them know that this may be too difficult for the student. But typically, if they are having a lot of trouble, I'll focus on those key vocabulary words or harder words. Multiple syllable words like electricity, you can go ahead and clap your hands or show something with your fingers or write it out on a whiteboard. Electricity. I can go ahead and do things like this or slash marks, whatever you prefer, and that can really help them with the amount of syllables in a word. Thank you everyone for the input, I appreciate that. Now a completed class, things to keep in mind. You can extend when necessary. If you look at that reader retell, to get help them with the recall, ask them some questions. So who is the story about? Uh, how are they similar for number two? Number three, does she look more like her dad or her mom, why? Number four, what do they enjoy doing together? So when you are reading or they are reading on the slide, keep in mind some questions you can ask them about what they just read. Preparation can really help with this point. If I did not prepare for my class at all, if I'm not paying attention to when they're reading, 
I don't know what kind of guiding questions I should ask them for that slide. So keep that in mind when you're teaching. And next, if you look at the reader detective slide, you can compress slides if necessary. That means if you're looking at the clock, maybe they're a little bit slow, you know that you can't finish every single thing. Think about how you can compress this slide. So let's see, who does Jane live with? What does her family enjoy doing together? Help them, give them a visual cue, or go back to the slide that shows them playing golf together as a family. What does Jane look like? Which family member does she look like the most? Does Jane have the same color hair as her father or her mother? That's a guiding question that can help save time. What new activity did Jane and her family discover that they liked? Why did they like playing golf? So you can also help them if you are running out of time and compress. So just pay attention to when they're reading. I know sometimes we can zone out. Pay attention to the text and the reading. Yeah, you should ask the questions. If you look at the reading as well in the teacher tips, usually there is a question you can ask that student for extension. So they will put that in the teacher tips as well. But just prepare when you are teaching. You're welcome. Let's look at class structure for a level five class. First, the introduction, or Anna, go ahead, Anna F. Uh, hi, David, sorry, Hello. just very quickly. Do they have a still a reward system with the stars? Yes, I'll go over the rewards in just a little bit Okay. and how to use that. Thank you, Anna. So let's look at this introduction slide. Number one, keeping myself safe, serving people, serving people. One of the things you should do is really segue into the lesson content. So after you say hello, what are some questions you can ask that are related to that slide content or the lesson topic? Any ideas? So serving people, keeping myself safe. Excellent. So definitely for higher levels, you want to use that lesson topic as a conversation starter. How do you travel to school? How do you stay safe? Excellent. Who are five people that help keep you safe? What does safe mean? Excellent. What's the best way to stay safe daily? You got it. So you know you can save this chat after the workshop is over. Use these questions, some great ones from the group. And number two, introduction. Now this slide is very open-ended <laughs> and I've had students go off on tangents. So my tip as a mentor is keep it very lesson focused. Take one minute to talk about anything you'd like. I want to kind of make that very lesson focused. So for example, if it's about keeping myself safe, how do firefighters keep us safe? Yeah, and we can talk about that. That can be the starting point for our conversation because sometimes I do wanna go off on tangents, which, which is great. But in the context of our 25 minute class, we really want to keep it very lesson focused. So just keep that in mind. Also, is there a reward system you would prefer to use? Sometimes my students will just say, no, I don't really care. So have a reward system that's uh, ready that you can use for that individual student. And I'll go over some examples of that as well. And if you are using your own reward system, just give them an option of choice. That's a way to make it very personal for the student. Right. What else can you ask besides what did you do today? 
conversation starters. I've also started with some tongue twisters, things like that. I'll go over some other examples during the reward part. If they say no, then I'll just use the reward system I already prepared for that class. So for rewards, any questions or ideas? Let me go over a couple. Something I love to do with my older students is play Mad Libs. So if you look on Google, just Google Mad Libs examples. How you play is you ask them for an adjective or plural noun or verb ending in ing. So if you have a Word document open on the side of your screen, Fill in the blanks as you go through class. Okay, what's an adjective? What is a plural noun? And they'll give you one. Go ahead and fill it in. At the very end of class, I will copy and paste the Mad Lib example into the chat box for them to read. So it's kind of like creating a story. That can be quite fun. And you can easily find Mad Libs that are related to the lesson topic that you're talking about. So that's something I've done a lot for level five. Another thing I like to play is Mad Gab if anyone is familiar. So Google Mad, Mad Gab, and basically, let's do one together. You show them a silly phrase, meet came house. Teacher, say that out loud faster and faster. What does that mean? Meet came house. Mickey Mouse, nice work teachers. Let's do another one. These are quite fun. Aim odors high goal. A motorcycle. Nice work. You want one more? Yeah, okay. See, these are super easy. So just Google Mad Gab, and I'll put them in the chat box just like I'm doing right now. I can also give them a hint, give them points or a star. That can be our reward. Quite simple, but fun. A swimming pool. Just make sure if you are Googling MadGab, make sure that it's kid appropriate. There are adult ones, which are fun for us, but not for them. So just keep it professional. Right? So other things here. For a reward, you can also do role play. I have some students that are quite theatric, so they like to do role plays. So who would you call? Maybe I'll pretend, oh, uh, I fell down the stairs, I hurt my back, who should I call? And they can tell me that I should call the ambulance and we can go back and forth. Think about a scenario and what we would do in that scenario. Number two, give me five is one that I've said in my gamifying your lessons workshop. I will give them a topic that's related to the lesson. For example, five things that are in the kitchen, knives, forks, plates, bowls, cup, nice work. So I can give them a star as well. That can be my reward. And another thing, you can show some funny pictures like this that are photoshopped. Lately, I've been doing hybrid animal photoshopped pictures, like a kangaroo and a bird mixed together, right? So they will tell me the name of that new animal, what it likes, what it dislikes, what it can do, things like that. Right? So that can be quite fun. How do you show your Mad Limbs when they are on a phone? I get message that you cannot message them when learning on a phone. If they so just to clarify, students cannot take classes from their phone. But when you get that message that they're taking it from a mobile device, that means they're taking it from an iPad. So for Mad Libs, you can always use your chat box and send them a chat message. They can see that even on an iPad. So what I'll do is I'll just ask them for an adjective or a verb, and I'll write that down or type it out in my Mad Lib that I already have, 
at the end of class, I'll copy and paste that into the chat box. Right? That's what I do. Yeah, they can view your message, but they cannot write back. Yeah. So you can just keep a note yourself. Right. Great question. Uh, Donald, how much are stars actually worth to the students? Even if they're level five, you still want to give them those in-class stars. The reason being is those are points that they accrue that they can redeem for a prize or a gift, things like that, right? So even for a level eight class, right? I have some 13, 14 year olds for those. I still give them stars, right? Great questions here. I had a student who was the serious type for the first time and told him that as a reward, we'll do would you rather. First question, would you rather meet an alien or a talking dog? He did not know the word alien and explained it, blank, blank face, I gave up. Yeah, try MADGAP. You know, this is something that even my most serious academic students, they really enjoy. So MADGAP is a great one. Uh, Anna, go ahead. Uh, hi, David, do you mm -hmm. give them all the five stars even if they haven't met the objectives? or you know is, is struggling with reading regardless they always get five stars so i'll give you my personal opinion as a mentor i typically always give five stars it's just something that i do now some teachers might not might not agree with that but the reason being is that more so for the parents sometimes if you don't give them five stars they might not be happy about that Right, so keep that in mind. So I just typically give them five stars, even if they're struggling with the content, but they're still participating. That's the key, participation is key. Then they have earned those five stars. Right? I don't punish them if they're struggling in class. Hopefully that was clear. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So that's just my personal opinion as a mentor. So let's look at the KWL chart. This is something that is at the beginning of a level five lesson. Now, in theory, this is great. I like KWL charts, especially for brick and mortar. But for VIP kids, sometimes they don't know how to approach the KWL chart. So this is where preparation is really key. Ask questions to spark conversation. So for example, what I know, give them a guiding question. What do you know about recycling? And that could be a good way to assess what they know about that lesson topic. And then you can help them if they're having trouble about that. What do you want to know? Another guiding question. What do you want to know about clean energy? And that can really help them to answer that question here. So keep that in mind for the KWL chart. Guiding questions can really help with this. Right? Because sometimes they don't know what to say or even where to focus that conversation. Yeah, I see some things in the chat box. Hangman, I don't call it hangman, I call it secret word. Uh, so that's a way that you can kind of change that. And for hangman, let me just show you how I modify that for secret word. So I don't draw the image of a noose and a hanging man. I'll draw a quick character or silly face. And then let's say it's a four letter word. All right. So they'll start guessing. If they get the answers wrong, I'll slowly start erasing my character. If my character is fully erased, that means they have lost. So that's a modification I do to hangman or secret word. When I was a kid, I didn't even realize it was a bad thing, right? But now as adults, of course, yeah, secret word. Free talk. Here's another area that can be difficult for students. 
So use sentence frames and questions to get them talking. Props and TPR or visuals can really help them with that conversation. Give them a visual cue. Why do you think it's important to learn about dangers that affect our Earth? And what can we do to protect it? Let's give them some parameters. What are three ways that we can protect the Earth that can help them with that focus? How might learning this information help us? Hmm, let's modify that question. What can you tell someone else to do to help the Earth? There you go. Even just that little quick modification can make a huge difference. Closing an extension. OK, as a mentor, this is my personal opinion. Every time I ask them, what questions do you have about today's lesson? I don't have any questions. 99% of the time, that's exactly what they say. I don't have any questions. Nothing, teacher. In theory, this is a great thing to ask, right? A student to reflect on how they did. But in reality, they never have any questions for me. So for this last slide, think about some games or some extension activities you can do to play on here. So some examples. This slide has six vocab words. Right? If you've been to any of my other workshops, you know about my UNO cards. Right? I love to use these. Numbers one through six, I'll mix them up. They say stop. Number five, seek, make a sentence. That's a way they can maybe tell me the definition or make a sentence with the word. It's a fun way to extend and use this slide very realistically on this in this lesson. Same thing, next one, number three, security guard. I've also done something where they mix it up. They say stop. And the first three or first two, so I have number six, number one, and number five. Police officer, seek, hurt. Make a sentence or make a story with those three words. Easy extension. So police officer, seek, and hurt. So just be prepared that they may not have any questions for you. So just extend. Thank you, everyone. Easy. You know, I did have one student, though. She asked me about some grammar help, and that was great. It was very unexpected, but that was super, super rare. You can also, if you have a very smart student, try to have them use all six words in a sentence or in a story. That takes time and it's super creative. You can also type out your own little story or sentence using those words. Okay, now let's go to the new writing project. So you may see your classes as new major course level five classes. Now they've changed the final project to a writing project. There's a lot of information about this, so I do recommend that you go to your teacher portal under certifications and review the lesson five or level five certification material. That will go over in detail about the writing project. But let me give you a quick overview of this. So they have merged three projects into one. Before, they had a choice of three different projects, and then they would choose one, they would present it and lesson 12 or the unit assessment class. Now it's three projects, it's just one writing task. The project will be the writing task which will be introduced from lesson eight in the one-on-one -on -one lesson. So in our lessons with them, they will have the project introduced in lesson eight, as you can see here. Lesson eight is introduction, lesson nine is reviewing the draft, lesson 10 is preparing and revising and editing, lesson 11 is review and checklist, 
Lesson 12, they present that in the unit assessment. Project feedback will be given in UA Lesson 12. So keep that in mind. Now, to be honest, because this is brand new, most of my students are not familiar with this process yet. So you can guide them through the process. They may not be super familiar with what to do now. In the future, I'm hoping once this is more set, they will be very prepared for class. But I've had students that are not prepared. So in your lesson 12 class, they have some sample writing projects or writing drafts that you can review with your students. Right? So if they did not prepare, you can use that. Yeah, all students will eventually move to this format. So any new students for level five, they're automatically enrolled in new major course level five, but you may have some outliers that are still in the old kind of system. That's the old final project format. Right? So they just did this very recently. Yeah, if they did not prepare or they have nothing there for you to talk about, just extend. You can give examples of how to really get started or how to prepare for this. Right? Now for the writing project lessons eight through 12, here's an example of what it looks like. Lesson 11 is about the review. It will go through a checklist just like this. So you can go through that with your students. Now, if your student does not have a writing project prepared for lesson 12, the unit assessment, look at the teacher tips when you're teaching. That will give you an option to go over an example draft with them and give them partial credit. So just keep that in mind. So look at your teacher portal under your certification for level five. They've updated that with information about the writing project. But to be honest, within the past month, I haven't had any students complete this. So it's really brand new. Uh, so if they haven't completed it, we'll just go over an example and correct that together. Right. Yeah, if you're already doing level seven, it's very familiar or similar to that. Right. How to explain to them where and how to upload their project. So for the writing class, they have pre-recorded writing classes that they watch and take before our actual one-on-one -on -one class with the native teacher. So that will all be in their student portal. You can remind them there. Thank you, great questions. Let's go over reading for our next section. So as you can see right here, there are four different texts that we focus on in each unit of level five. Lesson one and two, text one. Lesson three and four, text two. Lesson seven and eight, text three. Lesson nine and 10, text four. Lesson five and 11, review those two texts. Lots of comparisons. So I like to use these cards. How are they similar? How are they alike? We can also do that Venn diagram together. Lesson six and lesson 12, those are the unit assessments. Number one and number two are shorter condensed versions of those same texts. So my main point with this is that they will see the same texts over and over. Right, so just keep that in mind. How do you keep it from getting repetitive? Any ideas? That's the number one issue I have with my students. Any ideas? Role play is good. Open-ended questions. How would they change the story? 
what would you do if you were this character? What would you not do if you were this character? Props can help Realia. Different points of view, excellent. I have some theatrical students, so they do different voices for the characters. So if you have a student like that, that could be fun. Oh, predictions are great. What do you think is going to happen next? These are excellent ideas that I will also use. Thank you. So for reading, remember that our focus is improving fluency and comprehension, both of those. Be aware of pacing. So sometimes we do have slower readers, so alternate sentences or paragraphs, or use a stopwatch to compress time for slower readers. So maybe I'll give them 30 seconds. They can read as much as they can fluently, right? So I can still comprehend what they're saying. And then after that 30 seconds is over, I'll read the rest. So that's a way that you can really save time, but still have student output. Always check for comprehension, fix pronunciation errors after they're done reading, and clarify definitions. Like we saw in that TPR example, keep it short. Simple and short definitions can really help. So let's look at a classroom example of reading. Let's watch. One of the standards that I addressed today with Common Core in mind is analyzing a sentence or a section in order to see how it works with the overall theme. All right, so I'm going to open up the floor. Um, anyone want to start? Gabriella? According to Fatima, the liquid drips out and it hurts for a while, but in time the skin grows back tougher so you don't feel anything anymore. How is this statement a metaphor of the children's lives? It's like they have to get tougher over time and they just have to learn that it hurts for a little while, but you just have to keep on working and working. Marley? They, all these kids think that they're eventually gonna escape, that they'll end up getting all of those lines wiped off their slate. And I mean, in the meantime, they might as well just get tougher. So that when they do end up leaving, that they can be stronger. If you can get them to question the text, then you can get comprehension going. You can get understanding. You could get you can get deeper meaning. There, it lends them into this place of thinking critically, and that's really what we want, especially with Common Core. We want them to be lifelong learners. We want them to be able to get to college, and when they are in college, they can they they know how to struggle with that complex text. So I love showing you real life examples. One so, of the standards that some I things agree. that she's talking about here. Why is it important for students to analyze a text? Let me know in the chat box. Better comprehension, you got it. For lower levels, remember they're learning how to read. For higher levels, they're reading to learn. That's the biggest difference between lower and higher levels. Do they understand the significance of what they just read? Excellent. They really need to analyze this text now. Give them those key skills. And how can you incorporate this into your own classroom? So let me give you some tips. Bloom's taxonomy is used or the structure for level five. If you don't know or if you're not familiar, think of this as a staircase. So remembering understanding and applying are those lower skills, right? They're still, still important, that's the foundation. But for level five, we want to move them into those higher order thinking skills. That means analyzing, evaluating, and creating here. 
can feel free to take a picture if you would like. But we really want to focus on higher order thinking skills for level five. Once you start setting, up, setting that up in level five, it gets easier for level six, seven, and eight. Give them that good foundation. And we'll go over some examples in just a moment. Right. So here's an example from level five. This is about Jenny, and she's helping to clean her community, her neighborhood. So we have analyzing, evaluating, and creating. Now using these as our structure for our comprehension check questions, what are some questions I can ask them that utilize these three skills, analyzing, evaluating, and creating? Any ideas? So what do you do? Draw a, garbage, draw a garbage can. How can you encourage your friends to pick up trash? Excellent. What would you invent to help clean the, the environment? How would you make sure your neighbors pick up their trash? Would you rather live in a polluted environment or a clean environment? Why? Look at these questions. So for everyone here, please save the chat at the very end so you can use these questions in your own class. What would you tell someone who says it isn't important to pick up trash? Excellent. So remember, you don't want them to just read the text, but also analyze it, like we heard about in the video. And last section before our group discussion is about grammar. Now for grammar, if you're familiar with the Socratic method, it's a way of using questions to assess if they understand that grammar concept. And I'll go over these in detail. Number one is eliciting. That means giving cues, asking questions using TPR, props, visuals, or keywords to help them. Number two is modeling, say, saying something aloud multiple times in a natural context so they can hear it. And number three is drilling. Practice specific grammar point explicitly. Now, what does this look like in a real life situation? Let's go over that. Conjugation practice. Maybe not the most fun for students. Let's do a role play, how we can use those techniques. Number one, if I want to elicit, maybe I can show a picture like this for waste. What does he waste? Mm. Will you waste your dinner tomorrow? So I'm asking questions to assess if they can respond using the correct form. Like, I will not waste my dinner tomorrow. Right? If they can say that right away, they probably understand this concept. Number two, modeling. Maybe I can model, use TPR or a prop, like throwing trash outside my car window. I will harm the environment if I throw my trash on the ground. Will she harm the environment? Yes, she will harm the environment. So what I'm doing here is I'm using those question stems to have them respond like that. I don't add the picture in class to the slide, but you can add a picture with your phone or like a prop or a printout and show that or use TPR. And for drilling, have the student make several sentences using will harm. 
That can be a great way to drill. I will harm. He, she, it will harm. They will harm. Or you can use the negative. They will not harm the environment. That can be a good way to practice. So what I did here is I made the slide a lot more interactive using those grammar approaches. Just make it fun for the student. And they won't even know what you're doing here. It'll just be a conversation.